This segment of its rainmaking time is sponsored by the Sterling Hut, providers of Italian fine silver gifts for all of life's occasions. Go to the sterlinghut.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to its rainmaking time. This is Kim Greenhouse. It gives me great pleasure to welcome back to the show Dr. Bruce Fife. He is a naturopath and an author of many books. And the book we're going to be talking about today is called Stop Alzheimer's Now, How to Prevent and Reverse Dementia, Parkinson's, ALS, Multiple Sclerosis, and Other Neurodegenerative Disorders. This foreword is by Dr. Russell Blaylock. If you haven't heard of him, he's a wonderful MD. I want you all to really listen to this because Dr. Fife happens to be the coconut king. He is the king of coconuts. He has written the book, Stop Autism Now, Coconut Cures, The Coconut Oil Miracle, The Palm Oil Miracle, Coconut Water, Cooking with Coconut Flour, a delicious low-carb, gluten-free alternative to wheat, Virgin Coconut Oil, Nature's Miracle Medicine, Eat Fat, Look Thin, Coconut Lover's Cookbook, Coconut Oil, The New Health Food of the 21st Century, The Coconut Odyssey, The Bounteous Possibilities of the Tree of Life, Coconut Philippines, The New Arthritis Cure, Oil Pulling Therapy. For God's sake, what else can he possibly write about? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Dr. Bruce Fife back to its rainmaking time. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for inviting me. Well, I'm delighted that you've written this book, Stop Alzheimer's. Now I want to dedicate this segment to my mother, Joanne Greenhouse, who died of Alzheimer's, who I watched turn into somebody that I didn't recognize and was a very painful process. And at that time, I knew that coconut oil was good, but we didn't know about the ketone science then, or maybe it was known, but it wasn't to the lay public about the ketone science. I would like to focus on your book, Stop Alzheimer's Now, and I'd like you to share about ketone science and ketone therapy and describe to the audience what ketones are because there's no frame of reference in the public domain. All right. Yeah, ketones are very important, and we all need ketones in our body, uh, particularly for brain health. And basically, um, all the cells in our body use glucose or blood sugar as their major form of fuel. And so uh, when you eat a meal, much of the food uh, is converted into glucose, which fuels our cells. When we don't eat uh, for a period of time, say between meals, when we're sleeping or when we're fasting, then our blood glucose levels start coming down. But all the cells in our body need a continuous supply of energy. And so when glucose goes down, uh, the cells need an alternative source. And so what the body does is it mobilizes stored fat and releases fatty acids, which are the uh, fat molecules that make up fats. And our cells in our body can use either glucose or fatty acids to supply uh, their energy needs. And so after a meal, when glucose levels are high, the body runs on glucose. Between meals, when glucose levels are low, the body runs on fatty acids. Now, this process works very well for our bodies, but it doesn't work very well for the brain. And the reason for that is that the brain cannot utilize fatty acids to supply 
its energy needs. Its primary source of fuel, like the rest of the body, is glucose. But between meals, when we don't have normal blood glucose levels, uh, the brain needs another form of energy, and that form of energy is known as ketones or ketone bodies. And the, our bodies, our liver, actually uh, makes ketones from stored fat. And these ketones are made specifically to feed the brain. All the cells really in the body except for the liver can use ketones for energy, but they're made specifically to feed the brain. And these ketones, um, as I mentioned, um, when glucose levels are normal or high, you know, the brain's going to be using glucose. When between meals, when glucose levels go down, then the liver starts producing ketones and blood ketone levels rise and the brain can use the ketones. So in this way, the brain always has access to either glucose or ketones to supply its energy needs. So that's what ketones are. They are considered the super fuel for the brain. So why are ketones relevant in prevention? I mean, I've read your book, Stop Alzheimer's Now, but I'd like you to talk about why ketones are neuroprotective and what this means to us daily. Yeah, this is really, really very important. Uh, ketones are, as you mentioned, uh, known as super fuel for the brain and for good reason, too, because ketones provide much more energy than glucose. It's like putting um, high-performance gasoline in the tank of your car. You get better gas mileage. You um, get more power with less wear and tear. Ketones have a similar effect on our brains, and so they help with brain function. In fact, they're essential for brain function. There, there are four basically major effects that ketones have on our brains. Uh, the first one is, as I mentioned, they, have, they provide a very high-potency alternative fuel um, to glucose. And these ketones are actually essential for brain survival because the brain needs both type of fuels, glucose and ketones, because your, your blood levels of glucose isn't going to be maintained all the time. We always have periods when we're eating and we're not period, when we're not eating or when we're sleeping, and so glucose levels come down. So we need this alternative flu. Everybody needs this alternative flu fuel um, for their brain health. The second thing that it does is that ketones increase blood flow to the brain, improving circulation and oxygen delivery. The third reason is that they trigger the activation of certain proteins in the brain called brain-derived neurotrophic factors. And these um, proteins regulate brain cell growth, repair, and function. These um, Proteins actually help repair the brain, help calm inflammation. So they have a very uh, pronounced healing effect in the brain. And then fourth, ketones actually provide the basic lipid building blocks for new brain cells. Your brain, believe it or not, is made um, significantly from ketones. In fact, um, during pregnancy, the fetus is in a state of ketosis, high blood ketones, 
in order to supply the the brain the uh, building blocks for uh, the baby to build uh, the brain cells. And then even after birth, an infant remains in a state of ketosis for several months uh, for these ketones to continue to build brain tissue. In fact, the third trimester of of, um, pregnancy and the first several months after birth is known as the brain growth spurt. This is when the human brain grows the quickest and the fastest. And the ketones are absolutely essential for this growth. And even even as adults, we still produce new brain cells. We're still repairing old and damaged brain cells. And so ketones are essential in order to provide the building blocks for these new brain cells. So um, Also, because of all of these things that ketones do, they have a very pronounced effect on brain health and can actually be used therapeutically to help treat brain disorders such as Alzheimer's. It was interesting to me to find out that ketones produce 28% more energy than glucose. That's phenomenal, number one. Number two, that Dr. Kirian Clark did research for the U.S. Army who invested $12 million to see how the soldiers could last for days and days without food in what they're doing. And I'd like to know more about that research. Do you know much about that? Well, yes. Um, she has been working on ketones for many years, and the, the government uh, put out a call to researchers for some way to keep soldiers uh, mentally alert and physically capable of of performing uh, several days in a row without food. And while she came back and said, well, you can't do it without any food, but we could create a food for you that would accomplish the same thing. And the food would actually be the ketones, um, t- basically trying to uh, either make a food that promotes the ketone production or even take ketone tablets. Well, we're not quite at the point where you can actually take a tablet of ketones, but there are foods that promote the production of ketones. And the ketones, like, as you mentioned, 28% uh, more energy. So physically, the soldiers would be able to have the energy they need to function on the battlefield. Plus, it will help um, sharpen their mind, keep their minds and brains sharp so that they can mentally function uh, in very stressful situations on the battlefield. Because I would imagine in any battlefield situation, they're burning up glucose and cortisol like crazy. Exactly. And with ketones, you get a higher potency uh, type of fuel to help them out. Very interesting. I want you to talk a little bit about coconut oil and what's in the coconut oil. And I want to talk about MCT and the active ingredients in coconut oil and some of the research findings between MCT, because a lot of people are buying MCT and putting it in their coffee in the morning, And everybody else who's heard about ketones and ketone therapy and ketone science are putting coconut oil in their coffee in the morning or coconut oil in whatever they put it in. I want you to talk about the distinction between these two and the findings. Sure. Yeah. You know, all fats and oils are made of molecules known as fatty acids. And you can basically put um, the 
fatty acids into three basic categories depending on their size or actually the length of their carbon chain. And so you have long-chain fatty acids, medium-chain fatty acids, and short-chain fatty acids. And the vast majority of the fats and oils in our diet consist of the long-chain fatty acids. Corn oil, for example, is 100% long-chain. Soybean oil, the same. Canola oil, all these oils uh, are predominantly the long-chain fatty acids. Probably 95 to 100% of the fats that we eat day in and day out consist of long-chain fatty acids. Now, coconut oil is unique in that it is composed predominantly of the medium-chain fatty acids. And this is really important because our bodies respond to and process the fats differently depending on their size. And so the physiological effects of the medium-chain fatty acids in coconut oil are very different from the long-chain fatty acids we normally get. And most of the remarkable health and nutritional properties associated with coconut oil come from these medium-chain fatty acids. Now, you mentioned MCTs, which is medium-chain triglycerides, and basically what a triglyceride is is three fatty acids joined together by a glycerol molecule. In fact, all fats and oils are actually in the form of triglycerides. So coconut oil um, is a triglyceride. Corn oil is in the form of triglycerides. And when we eat them, the body breaks them down into their individual fatty acids. And so medium-chain triglycerides are the medium-chain fatty acids in coconut oil. And um, as you mentioned also is you can actually go to the store, you can buy coconut oil or you can buy MCT oil, which is basically coconut oil which has um, been refined more so that it's 100% Um, MCT oil, because coconut oil actually has a few other fatty acids in it as well, even though it's predominantly MCTs. Isn't coconut oil 60% of it MCTs? Yeah, 63% MCTs. Okay. And so MCT oil is actually 100%. And what's, what's interesting about the MCTs is that when you consume them, a portion of these MCTs will automatically be converted into ketones, regardless of blood glucose levels, regardless of what other foods are in the diet, the body will convert them into ketones. So you don't have to be fasting or you don't have to, you know, not be eating glucose or foods that provide glucose in order to produce these ketones, which is really nice because ordinarily, in order to um, have therapeutic levels of ketones in your body that would affect the brain, you would either have to fast or go on a very low-carb type of a diet. Like the Atkins diet? Like an Atkins diet. I did that with my family years ago. It was wild. (laughs) Wild. But that was the early days, wasn't it, of the science Yes, it was. And, well, you know, actually the ketogenic diets have been around for 90 years and they were basically developed to um, enhance ketones in the body to treat brain disorders, epilepsy. You know, back in the early 1900s, doctors used fasting therapy uh, frequently to treat very hard, uh, to treat conditions like cancer and arthritis and things like that. And they found that 
uh, fasting was very effective in treating epilepsy. And they also discovered that the longer they could keep a patient on a, a water-only fast, the better the outcome. And so they had fast people for 20, 30 days just with drinking water, and they had remarkable results. But if they knew that if they could extend that out uh, for several months or a year, uh, the results would be better. But there's a problem with putting someone on a water-only fast for such a long time. So doctors developed what was known as the ketogenic diet, and the ketogenic diet basically... Um, mimicked the metabolic effects of fasting while still providing uh, the nutrients that a person needs to maintain good health. And the ketogenic diet uh, proved very successful in treating epilepsy, even bringing about complete cures to very severe forms of drug-resistant epilepsy. And over the years, um, researchers have tried and experimented with using it in treating other type of brain disorders, uh, such as Parkinson's disease, ALS, Huntington's disease, uh, traumatic brain injury, stroke, and Alzheimer's. And in every case, every single case, they have shown that it improved brain health in all of these diseases. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. No matter what the state of the economy is, there will always be time-honored traditions and special events. The Sterling Hut has been in business since 2008, offering a wide range of fantastic sterling silver products, including finely crafted mint julep cups, personalized baby shower gifts, photo albums, exquisite jewelry boxes and awards, and so much more. The Sterling Hut is an authorized Silver Star international reseller of fine silver products and anniversary gifts. The business is owned by Jewel and Bob Howard. If you would be interested in buying someone a gift of pure sterling silver or sterling plated silver, you can call 1-888-819-1009. Get a 15% discount by going to the Sterling Hut, the Sterling, S-T-E-R-L-I-N-G, Hut, H-U-T, dot com, and saying it's rainmaking time. They will honor a 15% discount for you. Beautiful sterling silver gifts for all of life's occasions. Manufactured in Italy and handcrafted by skilled artisans. They can also be engraved in sterling picture frames, oval and rectangular silver trays, champagne ice buckets, silver goblets, coffee and tea service, coffee pots, silver mugs, candelabras, and silver jewelry unrivaled in design and style. Go to the Sterling Hut at sterlinghut.com. And back to the show. There's a lot of people and animals that have seizures for different reasons. And I'm thinking, couldn't they benefit heavily from coconut oil? Definitely, because the coconut oil will produce the ketones which the brain needs. You know, thinking back um, a few minutes ago when I mentioned the four major effects of ketones, uh, the high-potency fuel, the improved oxygen circulation to the brain, the activation of brain-derived neurotrophic factors that work in repair, calming inflammation and healing, and then providing the basic building blocks for new brain cells. 
um, all of this goes on. So with someone with epilepsy, this is a healing process. The same with Alzheimer's disease or Parkinson's disease. When you have ketones coming into the brain, they are healing. Even things that when people are born with defects, ketones can help repair a lot of these defects. Do you think that this should be a frontier science? Oh, there's so much that could be done with uh, ketones, and a lot more research needs to be done. I mean, like in my book, I, I mentioned that it can be used to treat Parkinson's, ALS, multiple sclerosis, and other, even autism. Um, and so there's a lot of potential, and there needs to be more research into this field. What did you think of Dr. Theodore Vantali, his 35 years of studying ketones? What did you get from him? He is one of the major ketone researchers, and so he has provided a lot of this research. He has done a lot of the research like uh, with other brain diseases like Parkinson's disease and such, and has shown that ketogenic diets do help with various uh, neurodegenerative-type conditions and that ketones are essential. Do you happen to know, and would you be willing to say if you did know, did he go through any typical type of pioneering resistance, or are the people in his milieu receiving his input and his research around ketones well? How is he being received? Well, you know, I haven't heard of him receiving any severe resistance because he's actually working with ketones and ketogenic diet rather than um, coconut. Now, if he was doing it with coconut, I'm sure he would have gotten a lot of resistance. But uh, one of the things that he's trying to do um, is to produce a dietary supplement of ketones where you could just take the tablet. Um, and he has been able to produce such a tablet, but the expense um, is so high that it's not commercially feasible right now. I think anything that's too synthesized, the body will not use the same way it would use like a coconut oil. Don't you agree or what I do you agree. think? I think natural foods, natural things are much better for our health than these very chemical synthesized products. I agree. Not to distort the MCT and the value of it, but some people get nauseous from it and they get a little bit sick to their stomach from the MCT. And I wondered why do they? That doesn't happen with coconut oil. Why do you think that happens with well, MCT? You know, coconut oil contains actually 10 different uh, fatty acids. And when they take coconut oil and they process and they distill it and they remove certain fatty acids to make MCT oil, they end up with an oil that only has two fatty acids. Two of the medium chain fatty acids from coconut oil make up MCT oil. So it's a very refined, very processed type of oil. Now I'm not against MCT oil, but I do prefer coconut oil because the coconut oil has uh, a full complement of 10 uh, different fatty acids that work together synergistically. Um, and one of the, the big drawbacks with MCT oil is that it contains no lauric acid. And lauric acid is the primary medium-chain fatty acid in coconut oil and probably the most important of the medium-chain fatty acids. It's the one with the most potent antimicrobial effects. It's the one that protects us most 
against infections. And MCT oil has none of that. So that's a, a drawback with MCT oil. Um, and so personally, I really like foods and uh, herbs and things that are as close to nature as possible because when you start getting uh, processing it and man starts getting involved with manipulating it, um, things start happening, and I don't think they're quite as healthy. Yeah, it's like stripping the goodies, right? Right, basically, like with whole wheat flour and white flour. I want you to share a little bit about your knowledge of Dr. Newport. When I actually heard her talk about her husband developing Alzheimer's and how she treated him and what happened, I felt happy. I felt sad for my mother, but I felt happy for her. I want you to share a little bit about Dr. Newport and the revelation there. And then I want to talk about saturated fats with you. Okay. Yeah, this is real, real interesting story, uh, Dr. Newport. She actually contacted me several years ago um, after she was discovering how coconut oil can treat uh, Alzheimer's. And uh, her husband, Steve, uh, was diagnosed with Alzheimer's at the age of 53. And so he had early onset Alzheimer's. And uh, he was an accountant. Uh, he was very smart. Uh, she said that he could pull apart a computer, take apart all the parts, and put it back together. Um, but then when, when Alzheimer's hit, he lost the ability to do that. Uh, he lost the ability to read. He could not um, spell simple three-letter words like out, O-U-T, or put, P-U-T. He could no longer type on a computer keyboard. He was forgetting family members' names. He couldn't dress himself properly. Um, he was getting really bad. And Dr. Newport, um, since she was a doctor, had him on all of the uh, medications that were, that were recommended for Alzheimer's patients. Like Aricept? Yes. My mother was on that. It did nothing for her. That's exactly right. Uh, these drugs really don't do anything. And they didn't do anything for him, too, and he continued to get worse and worse. And so she was getting desperate after, you know, five years or so. And so she started looking for new drugs that were being developed that were still in the experimental stage. And she wanted to uh, sign him up to actually participate in some of these uh, studies testing these experimental drugs. And so as she was doing her research, she found one drug that showed particular promise. Preliminary research showed that after a single dose that Alzheimer's patients showed uh, a measurable improvement. This had never, ever been done before. You know, the, the current drugs used to treat Alzheimer's, they cannot stop Alzheimer's. They cannot reverse Alzheimer's. The very best they can do is slightly slow it down. That's the best they can do. But these drugs, um, they only work in like half the people that try them. The other half have absolutely no benefit. And the benefit that the other half do have is so small, so tiny, that it makes absolutely no difference in day-to-day -day life. And in those that do show this tiny bit of benefit, after six months to 12 months, there is no benefit whatsoever in anyone, in 100% of the people. So after 12 months, it's a total waste for everyone. So it's just a waste of money, plus there's a lot of side effects. Well, 
this this new drug showed promise because it actually showed improvement. And so she went down to have Steve enrolled, and before he could actually uh, enroll into the program, they made him take a test called the Mini Mental State Exam, or MMSE test. And this test has 30 questions, and the questions generally are, are pretty simple. They're um, like, what day of the week is it, or what city are you in, things like that. And if you can answer 25 to to the 30 questions correctly, that's considered normal. Uh, 20 to 24 questions correct um, is, called, is uh, referred to as mild dementia. Uh, 19 to 11 indicates moderate dementia. 10 and less indicates severe dementia. So he took this test. He scored a 12. So he was very close to severe dementia. He scored so poorly that he was rejected from the study. He was considered too far gone, too severe to have any help whatsoever. So they were sent home. Now, of course, you can tell they, were, they felt really bad about this. But uh, Dr. Newport had been studying this, this new drug, and she had actually on the Internet found the patent application for this new drug, which contained all the science and the research behind it and preliminary studies about it. It also contained the formula, basically, for the new drug. And she learned that this drug only had one active ingredient, and that active ingredient was medium-chain fatty acids derived from coconut oil. Well, she, since she could not buy this drug yet, she could buy coconut oil. So she went down to her local health food store and bought a jar of virgin coconut oil, and she brought it back home. She calculated how much medium-chain fatty acids she needed to give him in the coconut oil um, to equal the amount of medium-chain fatty acids they were using in the studies, and it came to two and a half tablespoons. So the next morning, and this is actually two weeks after he was initially rejected from the study, the next morning she put two and a half tablespoons of coconut oil in his oatmeal. That afternoon they had a doctor's appointment, and so they went to the doctor's appointment. And the, this doctor had Steve retake the MMSE test. Now, remember, two weeks earlier he scored a 12. This time he scored an 18. This is incredible. This doesn't happen. People with Alzheimer's don't automatically start improving in their memory. But this is what happened with him. He went from a 12 to an 18, which is phenomenal. This was absolute proof to the Newports that something was happening. And this was with just one dose of coconut oil, just one dose. And something else also very interesting happened at the same time. The day before she started to give him the coconut oil, he had another doctor's appointment. And in this appointment, he um, was asked to do what was known as the clock test. And this is another standard test for Alzheimer's patients. Uh, to determine their uh, degree of dementia. And what basically it entails is drawing the face of a clock by memory. And so Steve drew his clock, and it looked like just scratches on a piece of paper. You couldn't tell what it was. And the doctor, when he looked at that, told the Newports that Steve was now entering the severe stages 
of dementia. Well, the next day he started on his coconut oil. And within just a few weeks, he redid the clock test, and the clock looked like a clock. And so all he was taking was the coconut oil, and his memory started improving. And so she continued to give him the coconut oil over the next year, and he continued to improve. He was able to dress himself properly. He remembered family members' names again. He regained his ability to read and to type on the computer keyboard, and he was getting onto the computer computer and surfing the Internet. He improved so much that he actually started to volunteer his services at the hospital where his wife worked. Um, he retook the MMSE test and scored a 20, which is considered in the mild range. So in a year's time, he went from entering the severe uh, dementia stage to now entering the mild stage of dementia. It's such a heartwarming and powerful story of what happened. I really wanted people to hear this. Now, against the backdrop of the scare on saturated fats and what is it, a 30 or a 40-year scare and misinformation about cholesterol and saturated fats, I'd like you to introduce what we need to know about cholesterol and saturated fats as a backdrop because that's the knee-jerk reaction where the mainstream public will go, what about cholesterol? What about saturated fats? Aren't they bad for you? Blah. You're exactly right. Whenever I talk about coconut oil, people always say, well, what about cholesterol? And what about heart disease? Well, the um, connection between saturated fat and cholesterol and heart disease was proposed way back in actually the late 1950s and early 60s. And this kind of took hold. And so people associated eating saturated fat with uh, high blood cholesterol. And yet, over the years, they've tested this, and uh, it never really panned out. In fact, studies showed that saturated fat didn't cause heart disease. In fact, just uh, a couple of years ago, there was a study that was published. And this, in this study, this is done by researchers from uh, Harvard. They went and they gathered together all of the well-done studies on saturated fat consumption and heart disease, and they compiled them all together and they analyzed them as a whole to see what effect saturated fat actually had on heart disease and fat consumption in general. And what they found was that eating saturated fat, those people who ate the most saturated fat, people who ate bacon and eggs in the morning and steak and dinner, these people had no more incidence of heart disease than vegetarians who completely avoided saturated fat. So this study basically refuted um, all of this idea that eating saturated fat promotes heart disease. And keep in mind that this study was based on all the studies that have previously been done on it. So it was a compilation of all the studies together. Do I remember correctly that the thread of the misinformation came with Francis Keyes, who cherry-picked information and kept the bulk of the findings out of the public with regard to cholesterol and saturated fat? Yeah, um, it was Ansel Keyes. Ansel Keyes, that's and right. He uh, had actually data from, for about, I don't remember exactly, 20, company, 20 or 22 countries 
on their fat consumption and their heart disease rates. And when he wrote his paper and proposed this so-called theory of heart disease, lipid theory of heart disease, he only used like uh, six or seven of the countries uh, because that gave a nice graph to prove his theory. If, however, he had used all 22 uh, information from all 22 countries, it would have been scattered and there would have been no trend that he could have pointed to. But basically, he was deceptive and, and cherry-picked the data to prove his pet theory. And this is where we, as the lay public, get hit with the misinformation, believe it as a fact, believe it as dogma, function from it, and get sick and die. I want you to also talk about the role of cholesterol, because our brains are made of cholesterol. We need cholesterol. What's your position with respect to all the research you've done about cholesterol and how saturated fat and cholesterol work together? Cholesterol is essential. You have to have cholesterol. In fact, when you start lowering cholesterol, it has negative effects on our body. Cholesterol is needed for every cell in your body. It's part of the structural component of the cell that makes it function normally, function as it should to uh, allow uh, nutrients in and waste out. Uh, so it helps regulate the, the, the life of each of your cells in the body. So it's very important in our cells. And as you mentioned, it's a very important component of our brain cells. We need, we need cholesterol in our brains to actually um, transmit um, the pulses uh, the nerve transmissions in our brain and to think and to have memories and function. In fact, it's very interesting when people are put on cholesterol-lowering drugs. Which they also did to my mother. They yeah. put her on Lipitor. Which is horrible and awful because it affects the brain. And for people with Alzheimer's, it makes it even worse. And for people without Alzheimer's, it can even, even cause Alzheimer's and memory loss. And so cholesterol is important for proper brain function, proper memory. Um, it's also the basic building block for many of our hormones, uh, estrogen, to testosterone. We, progesterone. Progesterone, all of those. Um, cholesterol is necessary. Cholesterol is necessary for the production of vitamin D. When the sun hits your skin, cholesterol is needed to produce vitamin D. And so cholesterol is a very essential uh, part of our bodies. We need it. And whenever we start lowering it, either through the diet or through taking medications, uh, we are actually harming the body and we're harming the brain particularly. It's a real profound discovery and revelation for people of the modern day to hear this. We did a whole show on cholesterol with a doctor from Sweden who does tremendous writing and research on it. It's a real revelation. How do you personally get your coconut oil in you? Well, I use it in most all of my cooking. That's the easiest way. One of the great things about coconut oil is it's very heat stable. In fact, it makes an ideal cooking oil. I do not recommend that anyone ever use polyunsaturated vegetable oils for cooking. Polyunsaturated oils like corn oil, soybean oil, safflower oil, 
uh, cottonseed oil, these type of oils. Or grapeseed oil. Or grapeseed oil are very delicate. They're unstable. And so they break down and they form free radicals very easily. In fact, exposure to any type of heat, sunlight, and oxygen causes the oxidation or the rancidity of these oils. And when you use them in cooking, that's a heat source. And so you're accelerating the degradation and uh, oxidation and rancidity of these oils. You're making them very unhealthy. In fact, these oils, they start oxidizing in the factory when they're crushed from their their seeds and and before they're even bottled oxidation process is starting and so when you go to the store and you buy one of these oils um, it's already partially oxidized or rancid and then when you take it home and you put it on your shelf it's continually to oxidize and then when you put it in cooking that's going to accelerate it tremendously so they're very unhealthy coconut oil on the other hand is very stable it doesn't oxidize like this it doesn't promote the free radicals like other oils so it's a very safe cooking oil so um, i recommend people to use coconut oil in place of these other oils for cooking and baking and and kitchen needs. That's a, the simple way to do it, but sometimes you make foods that don't use oils. You know, you're not cooking. So what you can do is add the oil afterwards. For example, soup, you know, add oil. Oatmeal, add the oil afterwards. Use it as a spread like you would butter. Uh, put it into tea or hot beverages. Some people put it in their coffee. You can, so you can put it you basically, you can put coconut oil in any type of food. Uh, one of the benefits with MCT oil is that it has a uh, lower melting point, uh, that, which is an interesting point. Coconut oil, if you're not familiar with coconut oil, it has a high melting point um, at 76 degrees and above. It's, it's liquid like any other vegetable oil, but below that, it starts to solidify, kind of like, you know, butter. When you put it in the refrigerator, it's hard, but when you take it out on a hot day, it'll start to melt. Coconut oil is similar, and so 76 degrees is, is its melting point, and so sometimes when you go to the store, it may be solid, and you bring it home, and it may turn into a liquid or vice versa. It's okay. That's, that's perfectly normal and natural. It's just like water being put in the freezer and it's frozen and you bring it out and it melts. Uh, it doesn't change the chemical properties. It doesn't change the health properties. It's just a different state. And you can consume it whether it's in the solid state or in the liquid state. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have any effect on its health properties. But going back to the MCT oil, MCT oil, since um, it's only two medium-chain fatty acids, it has a much lower melting point. So you can actually put it in the refrigerator and keep it liquid. And so for a salad or something like that that's cool, MCT oil can be used as a base for a salad dressing, while coconut oil will tend to harden when it's mixed with a cold salad. The other thing is a lot of people are putting coconut oil to increase their metabolic rate as well in their coffee in the morning. Have you ever done that? Yes, in fact, um, coconut oil has a very good effect on boosting energy and metabolism. In fact, during the, 
the after late afternoons when um, I start getting a little tired sometimes. My wife, you know, she mentions that she gets tired. And we would go in and take a spoonful of coconut oil as our pick-me-up, and it will give us the energy uh, that we need to go throughout the rest of the day. And, and yeah, there's been a lot of actual research on this, and the, and the reason for that is that the medium-chain fatty acids are actually digested differently than the long-chain fatty acids. Doesn't it bypass the liver? Well, basically, um, the long-chain fatty acids bypass the liver, but the medium-chain fatty acids go directly to the liver, and in the liver they're converted into energy. Got it. The liver converts them into energy, and so you get this boost of energy. You get a lift in metabolism. It's interesting um, that research has shown that after a meal that contains medium-chain fatty acids that's in um, normal weight individuals, metabolism increases uh, somewhere around like 48%. So your metabolism increases 48% by eating that. But in obese individuals, metabolism increases by 65%. So the more overweight a person is, the more effect it has on stimulating metabolism, which is really nice because for overweight people because they can use it as an aid to help them lose weight because it stimulates their metabolism and it burns off more calories. Very interesting. My skin has never felt better when I put coconut oil on my skin. I don't know if you do. I'm sure you do. Oh, coconut oil is absolutely the best thing. It's the only thing I use on my skin. My hands um, chronically used to be very dry. They would crack and they would bleed. And so I started using coconut oil on my hands, and now my hands are very soft and smooth. Coconut oil has a very uh, pronounced healing effect on the skin, and it's good to treat any, pretty much any type of skin condition. So dry skin, it smooths it out. Acne, it helps with acne because the oil is antimicrobial, and so it kills the bacteria that causes uh, acne. So if you put it on your skin, and now if people try this, there's, there's, there's one of two um, results that can happen. When people put on the skin, one thing that can happen is they'll have an increase in acne. And what, what's happening in that case is that it's detoxifying the skin. And so it'll take maybe about a week for the skin to be detoxified. And once it's, it's detoxified, then all the acne will clear up and you'll have great skin. The other reaction is that you put coconut oil on your skin and it'll clear up the acne almost immediately. When you put coconut oil on your skin, and I've never heard this addressed, does the body take it in the same way it would through your mouth? Um, partially. Um, when you put it on your skin, coconut oil actually absorbs in the skin very well, much better than other oils. Right, that I've heard. And you can actually test this out. Go and get some type of typical cooking oil like corn oil or soybean oil and put some on the back of your hand or your arm. And then take coconut oil and put some on the back of your arm on the other hand and see what happens. The coconut oil... Um, as long as you don't drench your your arm, will absorb it within just a few minutes, while the polyunsaturated oil will stay on your skin all 
day long. And so I tell people, put the oil on your skin and it will absorb quickly unless you put too much because there's, there's a point in which you, your skin won't absorb anymore. Um, and so then you have to wipe that off. But the coconut oil will absorb into the skin. A lot of this will go directly into the bloodstream, but a lot of it will also be absorbed into the cells in the skin. The, the cells actually absorb it and use it as energy. It uses it as fuel. Um, and this is really good because, um, you know, when you eat the oil, it's going to go into the mucous membranes. It's going to go into the digestive tract. And actually the cells in our digestive tract will absorb the oil as food and it will help promote uh, good health of the cells lining the digestive tract. So if you have... Uh, any type of ulcers or injuries or problems in your digestive tract, coconut oil is wonderful in helping to heal these type of conditions. I mean, if you have a have a, a like a cut on your hand, you put coconut oil. Coconut oil will speed the healing of the cut. It will stop the bleeding of the cut. It will do the exactly the same thing in the digestive tract, in your stomach, in your intestines, in your colon. It helps to heal the tissues. I want to talk to you about toxic metals. You did a whole section on toxic metals, on aluminum, on the fact that aluminum and mercury is in vaccines, about antiacids and mercury and water. I want you to talk a little bit about why you wrote about that in the book, Stop Alzheimer's Now. Well, you know, one of the contributing factors to Alzheimer's is inflammation. Inflammation is a major uh, factor in Alzheimer's disease. And I mentioned in the book uh, several causes of brain inflammation, and toxic metals is a major cause of brain inflammation. These metals that we come in contact, aluminum being one of them, um, where are we exposed to aluminum? Well, we get it some in our cookware that we use with aluminum cookingware. You don't want to ever use that because it's going to leach into the foods. And if you store food in it, it's going to leach in it, particularly if it's acidic foods. Um, aluminum is used as an anti-caking agent in baking soda and in salt. So whenever you buy baking soda and salt, you need to look for aluminum-free brands, which are available. Um, it's also used in antacids like Maalox and Rolaids and things and antiperspirants, and it's also used in vaccines. Now, mercury is probably the most toxic uh, substance known to science. We get mercury in uh, many vaccines, although it's been removed from some. It hasn't been removed from all. The flu vaccine still contains mercury in it. Uh, probably the biggest exposure we have to mercury is in our dental amalgams, the fillings, the silver fillings in our teeth are 50% mercury. And this mercury continues to leach out of the tooth as long as it's there. And mercury is a very well-documented neurotoxin, causes inflammation in the brain and does promote Alzheimer's disease. I think that's how my mother got Alzheimer's. She had... I don't know, 10, 15 mercury fillings in her mouth. Yes. And a lot of dental work throughout her life. Yeah, I used to have uh, some mercury fillings in my mouth. My wife used to have about 10 in her mouth. But we got went in and had them all removed and replaced with composites, which are much safer. And I heard that 
not only from your book, but in general, don't go to the very dentist that put mercury in your mouth to remove it because the same lack of consciousness that had them put it in your mouth is going to affect the protocol and process in which they extract it from your mouth, which is going to be unsavory and inappropriate. Exactly. There's actually a protocol that needs to be followed in order to safely remove uh, mercury amalgams from the teeth. And dentists who put mercury in teeth don't follow this protocol. They'll take it out and they can make things much worse because you will ingest the mercury as he removes it. You need to go to a dentist who uh, has had training, special training, in removing uh, mercury. And these type of dentists know the danger of mercury, and so they never, ever put mercury in people's mouths to begin with. So you'd look for a mercury-free dentist or a holistic dentist or what's also called a biological dentist who is aware of the dangers and knows how to uh, protect the patient during mercury removal. You actually live near one of the pioneers that broke the whole science of mercury in the mouth, uh, Dr. Hal Huggins. Yes, he lives here in town. I know. We <laughs> interviewed him several times. Oh, good. And also Dr. Stuart Nunnally in Texas, who did my work on my mouth and did a whole dental revision. Pretty remarkable stuff. Talk a little bit about the relationship between these metals and Alzheimer's. Well, these metals cause inflammation in the brain. And inflammation uh, causes insulin resistance. Chronic inflammation in the brain can cause brain insulin resistance. Now, n new research on Alzheimer's has shown that Alzheimer's is actually a form of diabetes. It's brain diabetes, or in other words, insulin resistance of the brain. And this can be caused by anything that causes inflammation in the brain. And these metals are a primary cause of brain inflammation. Now, what um, the way you can fight that is to bring in ketones into the brain. When ketones come into the brain, they calm inflammation. They um, start the processes of cleansing and healing and recuperation in the brain. So you want to have ketones coming into your brain on a regular basis. And one of the problems with this is that... Um, one of the major reasons we don't get enough ketones in the brain is high-carbohydrate diets. When we eat a lot of sugar, a lot of refined flours and things like that, that prevents the body from producing ketones because we all, when we eat that type of food all the time, then our glucose levels are elevated all the time and the body has no need to produce ketones and ketones are necessary for people with Alzheimer's specifically who cannot utilize glucose. And so when glucose is available, Alzheimer's patients' brains are actually starving to death. They're degenerating. They're dying. And as the brain begins to uh, die, brain cells begin to die, the brain begins to shrink, and the person begins to lose cognitive ability, memory, and even their personality.
I want to mention what happened to Peter Falk, our great character Columbo, after he came down with Alzheimer's. What triggered his Alzheimer's? I want you to share that with the audience. Yeah, that's kind of interesting because he was um, doing movies way up to the time when he actually went to the dentist and had some dental work done. And immediately after the dental work, his brain started going towards Alzheimer's. And it didn't take, uh, you know, very long at all, just a few months when he was uh, into Alzheimer's and no longer could memorize scripts. In fact, he couldn't even remember um, his role um, in Colombo, you know, which he was famous for. Um, and eventually it took, uh, I think, by maybe about two years before he died uh, from Alzheimer's. To Glenn Campbell, the musician, and his family, and to whoever else is suffering from Alzheimer's or dementia, this is the latest science that's known to humankind right now that can be helpful in this area. Glenn Campbell is going speedily along. I just saw him on a show. I think it was Ellen's show a year ago. And it was already noticeable, seriously noticeable. His wife had to walk him out on stage. And to the Glenn Campbell family, take some coconut oil, get going. I did hear, Bruce, correct me if I'm wrong, but the coconut oil restores the ability to function. But you have to stay on it the rest of your life. Well, it depends. You know, the the, the benefits that you get from coconut oil um, depend on a, a few things. One of them is how severe uh, the case is um, and how much coconut oil you take. And a lot of times I talk to people and they say they don't see the, the great results that others have reported. And then I ask them, you know, well, how much coconut oil um, are you giving them? And they say one or two tablespoons. Well, yeah, one or two tablespoons isn't enough. You need to have about five tablespoons a day. If you have diagnosed Alzheimer's disease, you need a good five tablespoons to help reverse that. Now, some people who are not as severe, who are more in the mild stages or beginning moderate stages, they can start on the five tablespoons of coconut oil, and basically they have totally reversed Alzheimer's and come totally out of Alzheimer's. So they are basically cured from the disease. Now, someone who has more advanced disease, there's probably some permanent damage done, and so they can reverse a lot of it. They can improve a lot of it, um, but they probably still are going to have some effects with insulin resistance, you know? And so even though the brain has done a lot of healing, they're still going to need those ketones coming in and providing the energy that the brain needs. And coconut oil, besides working on the brain, does so many other things throughout the body, helps protect against infections, it improves digestion, helps protect against digestive problems, ulcers and colitis and things like that. It's just a, a smart idea to continue taking coconut oil all the time. Now, if someone has been able to reverse their Alzheimer's significantly, they can cut back on the five tablespoons, maybe cut back to four or three tablespoons. And likewise, people who want to prevent ever getting Alzheimer's, they can start taking two or three 
tablespoons of coconut oil a day as a preventative measure. That's brilliant. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. It's funny how sometimes you don't take action until people have died. I remember visiting my mother in an Alzheimer's facility in Studio City and my cousins, Carol and Dan, were there. And I had this little tape recorder with me. My dad had passed on five years before. And I started to interview my cousins, Carol and Dan, about my parents because they were very close to them and they knew them for many years even before they were married. I want you to know that I got the funniest, most adorable stories about my mom and dad that I would have never heard otherwise. I kid you not. I found out that my dad, Buddy Greenhouse, used to invite people to massive parties, bring everybody together, and then they'd all get to the party and they go, where's Buddy? And he was not there. In other words, he would just put the whole thing together, get everybody to come, and sometimes he would not show up. Now, you may not think that's funny. You may think that's rude and all that, but I thought that was hysterical when I first heard about it. It's just not something that I would think that my dad was capable of, but apparently he was. Many of you listening to the show are going to wait until your parents and your sisters and brothers and cousins pass on before you ever capture the wonderful stories and legacy of your family. I'm making a very special service available to those of you that would like me to interview your family and capture the wonderful stories that are the gift of your family legacy. It's a really special service. It's very confidential and private and can be done in either audio or video. Don't miss the occasion to capture the living legacy of your family and the great treasures that are sitting there. I'm a miner. I know how to get to those treasures. Call me at its rainmaking time at 626-398-8652. Thank you. And back to the show. There's different types of coconut oils now because the coconut oil market now is in full force. And there's a distinction between refined and unrefined. I'd like you to share why people should have unrefined coconut oil if they're going to ingest it. Yeah, there are basically two types of coconut oil. Um, one is called a virgin coconut oil. The other is called an RBD oil, refined, bleached, and deodorized is what it stands for. I prefer the virgin coconut oil because I believe that things that are as close to nature as possible are healthy. And so the virgin coconut oil has had minimal processing. And so uh, it's really the best for you. The refined coconut oil um, really isn't a bad oil in itself because uh, the refining process usually doesn't involve any chemical extracting agents. It's usually heat uh, and filtering. Uh, and so it's does ha it has gone through with some more refining, but it really isn't an unhealthy oil, but I prefer the virgin coconut oil. And so when you go to the store, how do you tell the difference between the two? Well, basically, the virgin coconut oil will always have the word virgin on it. The non-virgin or the RBD oils will not say virgin. They may say something else. They may say pure or organic or natural or something like that or expeller pressed, but it won't say virgin. Okay, but sometimes Whole Foods has a 365 organic brown and they say unrefined expeller pressed virgin coconut oil. So what does expeller pressed mean? Expeller pressed means that when the initial pressing of the coconut meat was done um, by a press without the addition of any heat. Okay. Basically, it means cold press. 
but when it's been expeller pressed, that doesn't mean that heat wasn't added later on in the processing. Interesting. Do you sell coconut oil? I know that you have the coconutresearchcenter.org, but do you sell coconut oil or do you have a list of coconut oil brands that you suggest or like or prefer? Well, I don't sell any coconut oil myself. I like to promote the industry as a whole. Um, And basically when people ask me, you know, what's the best brand or what brand should I get, um, there is a little bit difference in the taste of the oils, and so I tell people, go to the store, buy a couple of the different brands, and then taste them, and the one that tastes the best, use that. If you like the taste, you're more likely to use it than one that you don't like the taste, and basically, they all have the same health properties associated with them. I have a bottle that I use for my skin, and I have a separate bottle that I use for ingestion. In wrapping up this segment with you, talk a little bit about the mouth and share a little bit about oil pulling. This is not what the segment's about, but I want people to hear about how coconut oil can be used and maybe should be used in the mouth and what oil pulling is. Yeah, oil pulling is fascinating. I have a whole book on it because it's so interesting. It's very simple, but it's a very powerful form of detoxification and improving your health and it, very simple is what you do is you put uh, a spoonful of co- coconut oil or actually any oil will work but coconut oil is the best you put the coconut oil in your mouth and you swish it around kind of like what you would do with a mouthwash and then you spit it out uh, and that has tremendous effects on the health believe it or not now people ask me well how long should i swish it in my mouth And I recommend about 15 minutes, maybe 20 minutes. And people say, wow, that's an awful long time. But I do it every morning. It's become a routine. And first thing in the morning, I put a spoonful of coconut oil. And when you say a spoon, do you mean a teaspoon? A teaspoon, um, about, yes, or a little bit more, maybe two teaspoons. So just a spoon's worth. You don't want to put too much in your mouth because as you're swishing it around, you're going to secrete saliva and your mouth's going to build up with saliva. So you need to allow some room for saliva to be in there too. And so you swish around. And uh, in the morning when I do that, then I go about my normal routine, getting dressed, making breakfast, taking a shower, uh, reading the newspaper, getting on the Internet. And if you do that, then you don't even notice that you're swishing. And oftentimes, I'll be swishing for a half hour before I think, oh, I need to spit this out. So it's it's really not a, a burden to do that. And the great thing about doing this is that uh, what the oil is doing in your mouth is it is absorbing all of the bacteria, viruses, pus, and mucus, and other things that you don't want in your mouth, and it's collecting it, and when you spit it out, you're removing it. It's kind of like putting uh, motor oil into your car, and when you drain it, it pulls out all the gunk and nasty stuff with it. You're doing that with your mouth, which reduces the bacteria load in your mouth. Our mouths are a focal point of bacteria that affects the entire body. The bacteria in your mouth can absorb into your bloodstream and go throughout your body. In fact, if you had any heart surgery or heart problems and you go to the dentist, the dentist will prescribe antibiotics for you before he starts working in your mouth because he knows that when he's working in your mouth, he's going to release 
a bacteria that are going to get into your bloodstream and that can go to your heart and cause heart failure. And so uh, the patient needs to have an antibiotic to address that when they see the dentist. So we have this bacteria in our mouth that's, that's totally that's going through our bloodstream. Uh, it, it can collect in joints and cause arthritis. It can collect in your kidneys and cause kidney problems. It collects in your arteries, causing uh, inflammation and hardening, hardening of the arteries. And it can go into your brain and even uh, cause infections in your brain that promote Alzheimer's disease. And so it's very important that we keep our mouths clean. And oil pulling is something that is very simple, very cheap to do to cleanse our mouth. And I'm not saying to use it instead of brushing and other things like that. I'm saying add it on to your daily uh, oral hygiene routine. I want to invite you back over the summer to talk about your book, Eat Fat, Look Thin, because you know, the summertime is the time where everybody's trying to lose weight or people that need to lose weight are trying to lose weight and all these diets start and people get in a craze. Actually, it's a time also people get more sun. So there's a lot of elements to the summer around the world that actually help people and induce weight loss. However, I'd like to discuss that book with you. Okay. And I'd like to also thank you for writing this book, Stop Alzheimer's Now, How to Prevent and Reverse Dementia, Parkinson's, ALS, Multiple Sclerosis, and Other Neurodegenerative Disorders. And I'd like you to protect your brain and pick up this book. Go to the coconutresearchcenter.org and pick it up and some of the other books that Dr. Bruce Fife has written. I really respect who you are and what you do and the contributions that you're making to the world. Thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, thank you for inviting me.